Welcome back to another round of the Uproarious Profundity Podcast. I am here today with the one and only Kai Brown. What, what? Hello. So glad you are here and our listener, you are in for such a treat. I have known and loved Kai since I was, what did we figure out? 15, I think. Yeah. 15 or 16, we met at Moving. What year was it? 2002? 2002. 2002. We were fellow musical people in show choir and choir. And they have gone on to do so many amazing things with conducting choirs, with being a minister, with being a professional drag entertainer. You were the first drag entertainer to perform on the Texas Capitol steps. Is that right? That is that is 100% accurate. Oh, my goodness. And, of course, we were performing as Kylie Michaels, right? Yes, I was. It was for a Stonewall celebration remembrance event for Austin Pride. Wow. And then in that, was that 2012 or 2017? That was 2012. And then something else monumental happened in 2017, right? Professionally, you were the first to do something yes, else. I was. In 2017, I was the first drag entertainer to perform on the Red Rocks Amphitheater stage, which is a beautiful outdoor um, music venue here in Colorado. Oh, my goodness. Along with all the accolades and amazingly impressive things that you've done as a conductor, drag entertainer, minister, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that you are also an author with an upcoming book. Yes, I am. <laughs> That's the first time I've said that on anything. So, but yes, I am. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Shall we say, shall we say the name of it or? <laughs> what is the working title that you are in love with right now? The working title is called Christianity is a Drag, a journey to, authentic, a journey to finding authenticity. It's a book that breaks down what drag and Christian drag entertainment and Christianity look like to myself and I hope other people in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And it's such an encouraging and educating read. And I, I can't wait to get more into it after you survive the first four rounds of the first half of the show. Are you ready? I am so ready. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 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 yes. So there are only two rules for the first half of the show. The two rules are you can only answer with one word and you must answer in three seconds or you shall be buzzed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so the first thing that comes to mind, there's no wrong answers. It's all based on Kai's opinion. Okay. Well, I have a lot of those. Any questions? No. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no. Awesome. Well, let's get this show on the road. The first category is called this or that. Fried chicken or sushi? Fried chicken. Mountain skiing or beachside vacay? Both. <laughs> <laughs> a baton or a microphone? A baton. Navy blue or forest green? Forest green, 100. Oh, ah! 
<laughs> it's okay. The judges are saying that you can still stay on the show. <laughs> Thank you. Opera or show tunes? Show tunes. Cocktail or coffee? Coffee. Fall or spring? Fall. <laughs> Hair gel or mousse? Neither. <laughs> Dog or Komodo dragon? Dog. Dancing or board games? <laughs> board games. Oh, just in the nick of time. Deep sea diving or outer space travel? Neither. Outer space travel. (laughs) (laughs) Music or a podcast? Music. Rom-com or horror movie? (laughs) Rom-com. Chaperone, a kid's field trip, or back massage to a stranger? You. um, Kid's field trip. Congratulations, you've survived the first of four rounds. Oh, yay. Can I say more than one word now? Yay. That's that's intense. Not yet. The, the, oh. <laughs> the last round, you can. Oh, oh. Okay, this next one is called True or False. Okay. True or False. It's rude to not tell someone when their fly is unzipped. True. True or false? You floss as much as you should. False. True or false? People can be intelligent in different ways. True. True or false? Life is better now that smartphones exist. False. True or false? Like a fine wine, you have gotten better looking with age. Oh, true. True or false? Age is just a matter of mind. True. True or false? God speaks through dreams. True. True or false? Some can rock a beard, others cannot. True. (laughs) True or false? You can have a spiritual connection to an animal. True. True or false, churches spend too much money on paying their staff. False. Oh, man, just in the nick of time again. <laughs> True or false, people have to gain your trust. You don't trust them right off the bat. False. True or false, all conspiracy theories are wrong all of the time. False. True or false? Lukewarm soup sucks. True. (laughs) True or false? Jesus is the only divine messenger with truth to share. False. True or false? I have never egged anyone's house. True. Hmm. True or false? I have forgiven the worst person I ever worked for. Oh, false. True or false, I have two, you have too many shoes. False. (laughs) True or false, I, you, dress better than most people. False. 
Oh, man, you made it just in time. The judges are going to give you that point. Congratulations. <laughs> True or false? I like to work in or create in the same place every day. False. True or false? Both men and women have feminine and masculine energy within them. True. True or false, high school students can be trusted on overnight trips in hotels for beta or choir trips. False. <laughs> True or false, there, there are more than 15 people on your blocked list on Facebook. True. True or false, coming in for the home stretch, four questions remaining in this round. True or false, conducting is much more difficult than it looks. True. True or false, pumpkin spice latte? False. True or false, every single person is creative. True. And true or false, I have been in love more than once. True. You've made it. Two of four rounds completed, and you're still here. Hard. Don't worry. It's only getting more challenging. Yay. The next round is word association. Okay. So you will say the first word that comes to mind. Don't overthink it. Every answer is the right answer. Okay. Okay. We'll get off that. <laughs> <laughs> Long-lasting foundation drag mm. narcissist president london england southern bell me <laughs> baton conductor high school theater jump rupaul Meh. Is that a word? Yeah, totally. Puberty. Tough. Sheet music. Necessary. Therapy. Necessary. <laughs> Chilies. Chicken. <laughs> Landfills. Bad. Quantum physics. Cool. Diversity. Necessary. Judge. Judy. Sanctuary. Beauty. Dad. Mom. Illegal. Drugs. Sexy. Yes. <laughs> Sandals. Birkenstocks. Tweezers. Eyebrows. <laughs> Vote. Yes. Adele. Love. Baby goat. <laughs> I, we never had that on this show we never had an animal sound effect this is amazing 
Mystical. Wisdom. Tuxedo. Yuck. Ring. Marriage. Basketball. Football. Cardigan. Wearing. Grapes. Yum. Coming down to the last two of word association. Alto. Soprano. First car. Pontiac. Amazing. Oh, gosh, I have so much to say, but I won't. Into the last round, we are now entering the complete this sentence category, and you'll have a little more leeway if you need to use an extra word or two. But the buzzard sound effect still is in play if you do not answer within three seconds. Are you ready? No. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) A show that I could binge watch over and over again is... Shit's Creek. Mm-hmm. Sorry, no opinion yet, Meg. No opinion. One underrated band is. Oh man, that's got to burn a little bit. <laughs> I was doing so well. <laughs> what did you say? I was doing so well. You're doing so well. The least amount of buzzes out of anyone on this show till this point. Yes, you were doing so great. You still are. Okay, one trend that I will never understand is, and this can be a clothing trend, a toy trend, like pogs, Jangos. I don't know. What's a trend that you'll never understand? Um, trying to get rid of marriage equality. Mm, mm-hmm. If I could travel back to one point in time, it would be uh, the the twenties. One book that changed my life was the Bible. America could learn a lot about blank from the country of blank. Social health care from Australia. There are many countries, but we'll say Australia. One one lesson that I feel that I have been learning my whole life is that others are less blank than I once thought. I'll read that one again. One lesson that I feel that I have been learning my whole life is that others are less blank than I once thought. Authentic. Hmm. One lesson that I feel I've been learning my whole life is that I am more blank than I once thought. One lesson that I feel that I've been learning my whole life is that I am more blank than I once thought. Authentic. (laughs) (laughs) One leader in my field who I followed as I have built my career is... Oh, gosh. Um, Reagan Humber. Hmm. He or she or they is different or are different because of their acceptance. 
Mm. One conspiracy theory that I could potentially get on board with is... Uh, I don't know. None. (laughs) (laughs) One thing that I could not do my work without is... Music. Fantastic. The last time I bit my tongue in a conversation, it was because it was over the topic of... (laughs) Oil changes? (laughs) People in my career field are mistaken when they think that blank. Drag is about being confused. Mm. One mystical experience that I had was in blank. And you could answer that as age or was in my car or was in New Zealand, however you want to answer it. One mystical experience that I had was in... In, in, oh gosh, in my parents' front yard. The last time I apologized was around the topic of? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, uh, uh. Oh, man. I bet it was a really good story. (laughs) I hate when people make broad stroke assumptions or statements about? Gender. I almost gave up on my dreams once because? Of a teacher. One mind shift that I have had in the past two decades is that blank matters way more than blank. Compassion matters way more than money. Mm. And the last question of the first half of the show is, Kai from 10 years ago would not believe that you now... love yourself love myself we're gonna go ahead and sit back and take a breather the first round is complete so kai tell us do you prefer to listen to books or to read books i prefer to listen to books hmm how perfect because the Amazon bestseller, I Am My Own Sanctuary, How a Recovering Holy Roller Found Healing and Power, just dropped on audible.com. Did you know that, Kai? I did not, but I'm excited to listen to it as well as I've been reading it. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Apparently, Dr. David Dalt of the NPR show called it a full steam comedic rant, and it's written for other recovering holy rollers that are ready to tap into the divine and take back their own power over their lives to take that power back from others. So if you are like Kai and myself, and you are a spiritually attuned go-getter who is hungry for a resource that will help you to find confidence and certainty in who you are, even if some days you feel like a fake, while still maintaining your job and social life, and without disappointing those you respect, head on over and get your copy and please those earbuds at audible.com today.
And now we have entered the second half of the show where we go back and dive a little deeper into these questions that Kai answered. Again, listener Kai has no idea which ones that I have highlighted. And if you heard some that I did not highlight and that we don't dive into in the second half of the show, if you want to dive deeper into them, stay tuned to the rest to the end of the show. Kai will share his how you can connect with him on the social medias and whatnot and you can reach out to him yourself and ask him what do you use if not hair gel or mousse you know all those riveting questions like that okay let's go back to the this or that category you shared that you prefer a baton over a microphone is that right yes i did and i guess i should have known that that would be your answer i know you shared with me that you have even even though you've been singing for so many years of your life, you have, is it safe to say, more nerves, nervousness around singing than conducting? Absolutely, 100%. I many more nerves around singing than I do conducting. Was that a sign to you that th- that was the direction you should go, was spend more time and energy on conducting than singing? I would say yes. Um, I just, I enjoy conducting more too. Maybe it might be because of less nerves. Um, There's just something beautiful about being in front of an ensemble and making, excuse me. (laughs) I'm so sorry. That was on accident. (laughs) Okay. You were saying there's something so beautiful about being in front of an ensemble. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, there. It's more invigorating for me. It's more uplifting mm-hmm. being soloistic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I took one semester of conducting, and um, I tried to because I wanted to get a music and worship minor, which I did. I squeaked by with a C minus in conducting, but I would try to cram the night before, before an exam. And you can't do that with conducting. You can't no. cram the night before. No, you <laughs> I probably have three, six, seven, eight. I probably have at least nine different semesters of conducting classes or conducting lessons under my belt. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. So amazing. Um, And I'm thinking back to the different time signatures um, and the different hand signs that represent different things. Um, Like there's a certain direction your hand goes for certain time signatures. Am I saying that right? Kind of, yes. Kind of. In a way. I mean, you gotta see in, you gotta see in conducting. You can get by with it. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't. I don't. You're being you're being very kind. Very kind. Did you ever watch on Prime Mozart in the Jungle? I have not. It's on my list though. Yeah. So in that, it's it's about a, a young musician that becomes a conductor. What does she play? I think she plays oboe or clarinet. Anyway, um, she becomes a conductor and she rises like she she excels and people start commenting on the person, something around the lines of the personality she brings to it. Is that, is that possible for conducting? Oh, every conductor has an individual personality. Oh yes. 100%. Honestly, when I watch choirs or orchestras or bands and an ensemble that has a conductor, I tend 
to watch the conductor more than I, well, obviously listening to the music, but I tend to watch the conductor more than I do the ensemble. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so of everything you were taught, what percent can you change and do differently because your personality of conducting warrants it? Like, is it like you can change 30% of it or 70% of it, or there are strict hand signs for this. You cannot change. Like, well, what's it, the percentage? It, well, it depends on who you're asking. And I don't know if I could really put a percentage on it as a conductor who enjoys being precise in my patterns. I stick to patterns a lot in my right hand, and then I show expression a lot in my left hand. But some people just show expression in both hands. Um, Whoa. Yeah, it's, it, it, it all is individualistic. I mean, you can change, I guess, 100% of your style based on personality and character or what you're bringing to the music. It, it, it truly is on an individual basis. Mm. That's so cool. That makes it sound so much cooler of a position. It it's I I really enjoy what I do. That's for sure. As a conductor, I really what I enjoy what I do all throughout my career. But especially yeah. so the choir is just expected to get used to what their their conductor does because it will be different from another conductor. One hundred percent. I mean, maybe not get used to, but be trained. I would say okay more than get used to. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, some I do know some people will leave ensembles because of the conductor. They either don't get along with them or they don't like their style. But um, wow. it, it really is just more training. Like my choir, my men's choir, who I conduct here in Colorado Springs, they know my expectations because I've been with them for almost four years um, and they just kind of get used to it. Whereas, and now I'm also starting a job in the middle of a pandemic where I don't even haven't even been face to face in front of my voice choir. And so when I'm explaining things, I have to go a little bit more into detail because I'm not in front of them. Um, But it it really is just training people on what your expectations Mm -hmm. are. I would love to look at the brain of conductors because in my, you're using, you know, all those exercises of using both sides of your brain that we did back in musical theater. And I mean, in choir conductors are using both sides of their brain, both sides of their brain, both hemispheres. Um, it seems like for their, their entire job, like the whole time they're up conducting each hand is doing different things. It's, I would love to just study the brains of conductors. Absolutely. And it does take a lot. It takes training. I mean, you can't, Mm -hmm. you can't just get up. Well, I mean, some people can, there are prodigies, but you can't just, it takes training and practice as you probably learned in your conducting class. You can't cram this stuff Mm -hmm. (laughs) because it, Mm -hmm. it takes patterns. A lot of it is patterns. And you want to train your body to be able to create patterns. And it it happens organically over over years and years of training. But um, yeah, it's I didn't just get up in front of a choir and not be able to conduct a 4-4 pattern and show art artistry and crescendos and um and dynamics in my left hand overnight. So looking back over your journey to becoming a conductor, 
you mentioned that you you did answer true to God speaking through dreams. Was there ever any guidance through dreams about how you were meant to use your talents to serve others, or was it another mystical experience through a dream? Um, I have, I honestly, Meg, I don't remember my dreams a lot. Um, but when I do, they always seem to be profound and they always seem to say something. Um, well, I'm, I said always, they don't always, but many times they do. Mm-hmm. I, a lot of my dreams. So to answer your question, conducting did not come to me through dreams. Um, a lot of my dreams where I feel God's presence is when I'm, when I ask questions and something is revealed to me. So for instance, I had a chosen family member um, pass away from suicide this past July. And I've seen them numerous times in my dreams. And it's, it's always been clear. It's just them letting me know that they're okay, wherever they are beyond us. And so I feel that that's holy and divine. And I feel that that's very God speaking through a person through my dreams to let me know they're okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you also answered true on Jesus or false. You answered false on Jesus is the only divine messenger with truth to share. What other ways have you experienced divine truth if not in within what we would call the christian doctrine or whatnot yeah and and to i'm happy you brought that question back up because i just want to clarify one of the reasons why i said that that was false is because that would be we would discredit all the old testament prophets as well who brought Mm -hmm. who brought um who brought answers from god in the Hebrew Bible or Old Testament. But I think many people can speak and show divineness. I don't think that's a word, but divineness through their actions and through how they treat Mm -hmm. others and interact with the world. Mm -hmm. And you just started a new, a new job at a different church. Have you found at different churches you've been a part of that they would answer this question differently? This your supervisors and the staff among you, the the culture of the church? Yes. (laughs) To answer it briefly, yes. I think they would have very profound but yet different answers. Um, Mm -hmm. But I would say that I do think I've had people in my past way my – I've been conducting in churches for over 11 years now. But in the beginning of my career, I would say there were people that would stay true to that question. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know probably five or six years ago, and I've been experiencing a ginormous spiritual enlightenment for the past two years, probably since spring of 2018. So more than that, actually, which is crazy to think about. So five or six years ago, I'd have answered this question as true. I would have quoted the Jesuit priest, Carl Rahner, who talks about the anonymous Christian theory, that those that don't attend church and don't practice spiritual disciplines and wouldn't call themselves a Christian, but if their life was aligned with Jesus, then we can give Jesus all the credit. And um, so I would have found a way <laughs> to answer this as <laughs> false. Jesus is the only divine 
um, sorry, true. Jesus is the only divine messenger of truth. And so um, it's it's funny to look, it's interesting to look back and see how we've, um, how our faith has evolved. But this show is about Kai and not me. So we progress. Staying on the topic, staying on the topic of Christianity. Um, why is it that you think churches struggle to pay their ministry teams well? <laughs> So that question was hard to answer, first off, because I do think that there are, well, I don't think, I know there are some churches in our country and in our world that do pay their ministers well, but I think that they're preaching the wrong message. Mm. I, however, I, however, am not one of those um, <laughs> in, in one of those churches. And I have no desire to be in one of those churches. When I, right. What I'm speaking about is prosperity gospel. We see, and, and so many people who preach the prosperity gospel don't live up to their own standards that they're preaching to people, obviously, mm-hmm. because you can see that their money isn't going to what it should be going, what, what I think it should be going to. Um, mm-hmm. But some, sometimes it, it's just churches don't have funding and, mm-hmm. and that's, and that's kind of, that's the problem. Um, but I, I do think, I do think all church lay people should be paid more, but I, This is a tough question. (laughs) Yeah, it really is. When we don't allow the church to be called a business, it opens the door for lots of poor business practices. If we're not calling it a business, then grace, however we're loosely defining grace at the moment, should matter more than the the quality of the product that someone is producing. Mm. And then you have you know, seniority ruling over talent and quality of work. So there are some staffs where those that have been there longer but aren't performing as well are getting paid out the wazoo. Yeah. Or as newbies who are performing, who are bearing great fruit in their ministry, they are, they're not being paid fairly. So it's like the pendulum, not the pendulum. I don't know what the word it is. Like we don't want to be, pro- we don't want to be operating out of prosperity gospel, but we also, we want to be, I want to, we want to be fair and help our be, people survive. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I want to be paid for my time and my dedication to a facility or to, to a, mm-hmm. to an institution. I, I mean, I know yeah. it, it's taken me quite some time to be confident in myself as a pastor, a musician, a drag entertainer. And part of that confidence has come to knowing your worth and knowing that what I do and knowing that I'm good at what I do. And I don't, and it's not cocky because I am good at what I do. That doesn't make me cocky by any means. But I, but I think I, and that's just kind of where I'm at. I should be paid what I'm worth. And honestly, I, I, I don't, I think so many people that work in the church are not paid what they're worth because, but we do it because we love it so much and we want to better uh, many of us. And some of us don't, but some of um, I've seen people in churches just go for a paycheck. And I, I, one, you're going for a scroungy paycheck, but (laughs) career, but it's, I do this honestly, because I do church music and drag because I love it. Um, not because of the money. That's for sure. Yeah. 
And you're in such a unique position, unlike other ministers, unlike some ministers, because you are able to, you've preached in drag and Kylie Michaels, she's a good Christian woman and you totally live out the Southern Belle shtick with her and it's amazing. And you get to go, you get the opportunity, the advantage compared to other ministers that you are sharing the the gospel, the good news, whatever word you want to use, you are sharing God's love in places that conventional ministers would never go to, would never fit in, would never be able to shine like you do. It, it's such a unique well vocation that you have. And I think that's a little bit of their own insecurities because they think that they mm. shine in those places. They think that they can't be in those places because they've made that decision to say that they can't be in those places. And so, and when we say those places, we're talking about queer, I'm talking predominantly about gay bars or queer establishments and, or they find that that's sinful or in there, I'm doing big air quotes right now. When honestly, once my book drops, whoever reads it will be able to see this. There are so many parallels between the queer community and the church. And I say that because it's things the church teaches, but the church doesn't do that you actually see being enacted or being acted out in the queer community. And so I think it's quite powerful to recognize the, the church teaching so much, but not acting on it, but yet the queer community just doing it. So I hear you right that when it comes to topics like the act of being vulnerable, the conventional church could learn a lot from the drag community. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I think I can speak for both of us in this. We see it. You and I have seen it growing up as holy rollers, if you will. I like, mm-hmm. I like Meg. Have I used to read my Bible way too much. Um, and <laughs> and But one of the things I saw was hypocrisy in the church. They would say, oh, we need to do this, this, and this. And then literally before they're even leaving the parking lot of the church, not going against what they said they need to be doing. Where I find in the queer community, we don't put boundaries on quote unquote sin. um, And we just are there and vulnerable with each other and, and present. Whereas in the church, you get judged for those things. Mm. You get judged for showing up authentically with all the messy feelings of it all. Well, I think about my own story and my own journey that's just a constant, I'm not going to say a constant journey every day. Mm -hmm. I I mean, I've struggled with addiction. I've struggled with uh, abuse. I've struggled with having way too much sex. And thinking that all of that was sinful and that I was going to go to this bad place, if you will, or and maybe not then, not bad place, but it's sinful because of how I was raised. When come to find out that it like sin is so personal and one on one, it wasn't sin. It wasn't sin. It was the act of shame that was causing this quote unquote sin because I was being shameful in just who my authentic, who, who I am authentically and scared to be authentic because I was scared that the church was going to judge me. And as a whole, they would have, or mm-hmm. as a whole, they will. I mean, I, even just sharing my story now, I know there are many people that would be like, not, 
the, so many, I, I think of the Methodist church who says, open doors, open hearts, open minds. Well, that's a bullshit lie because it's only open doors, open hearts, and open minds if you fit our mold or what we mm. do right when none of us truly know what's right and what's wrong because we're not, we're not the divine. We're not, I have strong feelings as you can tell. <laughs> yeah. I love how, I love your stance that you are, that you've come to this place that you are right now of being sex positive and body positive and image positive, whatever the word is. And and then also looking back and seeing, okay, these decisions that I made to be intimate with other people, that was not the sin. The sin was, can you unpack that a little more for us? Yeah. I, you know, I, my Sarah, I go, I learned this quote from my therapist. We had a great therapy session and he is a queer Christian, has specialized in queer, queer ran therapy for over 10 years. And he said, sin isn't the behavior, but the shame wrapped around our desire that produces that behavior. And it was profound to me. Sin Mm -hmm. isn't the behavior, but the shame wrapped around the desire that produces the behavior. So I think about back when I was having, I I had a lot of sex growing up and, and I still think everyone should have all the sex that they want to have in their own right. It's all personal, but mine was promiscuous. It was, and I felt like shit after every time I had a hookup or something, I always just felt bad about who I was or what I was doing. So it was a shame. It was shame that was because I was having sex to try to make myself feel better, but I would turn around and feel worse because I wasn't loving myself Mm. and I was trying to find that in other people. So that's, I don't know if I answered your question. No, I think everyone should have do what sexual talking about sex. It's not my business what other people are doing in their sex life, but if it's making you feel like, if it's making you feel like crap after you do it, you should probably reassess what's going on in that scenario, if that makes sense. So on your journey, did you give up multiple partners at the same time you gave up alcohol? Or was it a tipping point came with the sex and then a tipping point came with the alcohol? They all kind of went hand in hand. I mean, if I'm being honest, there are some sexual partners that I couldn't even tell you their name. For me personally, that hurts me. That hurts me. Um, But my struggles with addiction and substance abuse, they, they go hand in hand because I wasn't living authentically. I wasn't loving myself. I wasn't caring about my heart or my spirit. And so I was finding other ways to create I I was washing it all away with drugs and alcohol and sex Mm. and my breaking point was one of my old roommates my drag daughters if you will they got sober and then I was like oh maybe I could do it and then I realized how much self-medication self-medicating I was doing because of my insecurities within myself. I was trying to wash away my life by hiding 
who I was behind drugs, alcohol, sex, and the list could go on and on, but those three specifically. Did your act as Kylie Michaels get better once you got sober? Or did it just stay that was it unaffected in the best, most beautiful way possible? So Kylie, I used to say, I can't do a show without a shot and two cocktails. That's when Kylie comes out. But then I realized that I actually performed better when I was sober because I was actually able to think about what I was doing and put more thought into my mm. character and, and what I was presenting on stage. And, but, and I'm not, for me personally, it, my brand became more enhanced, Ooh. if you will. Yeah. Well, because I was, I was being authentic. Mm-hmm. I was living, living into my truth mm-hmm. and I had no shame in who I am. And a lot of the abuse with substances on my end was because I wasn't proud of who I was. And so being becoming proud of who I am, not ashamed of who I am, has really been what's been the driving force of becoming a better entertainer, mm-hmm. becoming in a, a sober mindset, and not having to rely on substances to be to just be. Yeah. Yeah. I could think of so many performers and authors that their talent, like you said, their talent came out once <laughs> they were drunk and um, how to, and I can think of many that did not successfully make the, the life change that you did. And so it's, it's such a, such a beautiful thing, such a beautiful change that you made. I'm curious, did your did your friendships change? Did you hang out with different people once you got sober and became less promiscuous? No. <laughs> no, I, they didn't. Awesome. Uh, yeah, <laughs> sorry, I'm trying to think of how to say. Yeah. my. I, I wouldn't say that my friendships have changed. I would say my the people that I'm closest to has changed. I wouldn't necessarily my, mm. say my friendship. Mm-hmm. I'm, it's so good to hear that they affirmed you and accepted you just as you were. Oh, I had that's, and that's one thing I love about the queer folks that I've been around is because I, I said, I'm getting sober. Mm-hmm. I talked to my drug dealers and I said, I'm getting sober. If I ask for buy drugs, do not sell me drugs. And they mm-hmm. didn't. And people respected my decision instead of judging me for one, having a problem. Yeah. But they embraced me because I didn't care if they drank. I actually had some friends when we'd go out to dinner who wanted to have a beer and they're like, are you okay if I have a beer? And I'm like, absolutely. Wow. It's just, I can't. Mm-hmm. So I, I had, there was a lot of respect from my peers. Hearing you talk about the past hurts as a as a queer person, it makes me think of another answer that you gave about Schitt's Creek and net on Netflix on the documentary of the last season. It uh, yeah. it's so beautiful. Yeah. It talked about and I I as a as a straight person am ignorant to this, but when when David David Rose's character implies or straight up speaks about all the heartache and unhealthy relationships, like and just how beautiful and healing his relationship with Patrick is and the vulnerability in that. 
there was just there was a lot of teaching going on in that in the whole the whole show which for people like me that want to know more and want to do better and want to empathize more it, it was very healing so it's interesting to hear you you talk about um having some unhealthy relationships in your past and not feeling valued and 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 loved like you should be if i'm hearing that right yeah and with shit's creek one of i mean you you watch the documentary at the end I love, I didn't even realize it until they brought it up in the documentary about how the show was a homophobia free show. Yeah. Like there was, there was never judgment about David discovering who he is. Mm -hmm. There was always support. There was always love from this really podunk community, if you will. Mm Who you who from us coming from a podunk community, I know I've experienced homophobia, but it was just a loving environment. And I just wish the world could be more like Shits Creek in that when whether when it becomes instead of someone enters your life that you don't understand, instead of instantly going into judgment, just loving and empathetically being compassionate towards them. And there's so much love and compassion in the show that you don't realize it until after you've watched it and you're and and watch the whole thing and then the documentary and you're just like wow that's that is mm-hmm. heart i mean it's heart-wrenching because we don't live in that world we live in a world where people judge me for instance for being queer and not fitting their societal norms but yet i've loved my and i've been the most queer in this moment in my life than i've been in my whole life and let me tell you it's one of the most freeing things because mm-hmm. I'm loving myself authentically. And when people judge me, I'm like, that has nothing to do with me. That mm-hmm. That's all you. Because mm-hmm. you're making that decision to think different, negative, or think differently about me when you don't even know me. You just know mm-hmm. that I'm queer. Mm-hmm. So in your upcoming book, Christianity is a Drag, when that book comes out and you are doing your first or a book signing event, what is one thing you really hope to hear from a reader who comes up and asks for your signature and then they say, Kai, I just have to tell you, your book made me feel blank or your book taught me that blank. What do you want to hear? Your book made me think about people's lives who are different than me and made me want to learn about my own authenticity so I could better understand other people's authenticities. Mic drop. (laughs) That's what I would want to hear. (laughs) Yeah. How can people stay in touch with you and get their hands on this book when it drops? It'll be all over my social media. So I have two Facebook accounts, but I would say the easiest way to follow me is Instagram, and that would be at K-A-I-L-E-E-M-Y-K-E-L-S. And you can follow that Facebook account as well, K-A-I-L-E-E-M-Y-K-E-L-S. Yes, yes. I'll put those in the show notes too. Yes, absolutely. Well, I'm not really active on Twitter. Twitter's where I just put my emotions out there, so I would say don't follow <laughs> I would say, don't follow me. Don't partake. Totally can. It's it. You can see it, but Mm -hmm. I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not as active on Twitter as I am Facebook and Instagram. 
Well, congratulations for surviving a session of an uproarious profundity, Kai. Yes, thank you for having me. It was it was fun to make me think in one word statements. Mm, yes, something you and I both struggle with, the brevity. Obviously, listen to the podcast. <laughs> yes, and listener friend, if you heard a question Kai answered that you want to know more from them, like why did they say that high school students can't be trusted on beta trips and hotel rooms or choir trip? <laughs> why did they say they have enough shoes? If you heard anything that you want more information about, follow Kai on Instagram and Facebook and ask them yourself. Adios, Kai. Bye. Hey, friend. I sure had fun hanging out with you in this episode. As a spiritually attuned go-getter, you might be hungry for more unconventional wisdom around recovering from spiritual burnout and crushing your goals. So if that is the case, be sure to follow me on Instagram by what my mom calls me at Meggie Lee underscore Calvin. That's M-E-G-G-I-E-L-E-E underscore Calvin. Follow me over there on Instagram today. Let's be friends. And I cannot wait to hang out with you again on Thursday.